Good day and welcome to yet another edition of Offside Musings. On behalf of my co-host, Emeka Onyawa, it's my delight to welcome you today. In uh, today's episode, we're going to be looking at the Nigerian elite, what we call the tragedy of an elite that is so consumed with its material enrichment without the requisite vision without the requisite hard work. So we're going to be uh, telling a bunch of stories that illustrate the way in which Nigeria has been particularly unfortunate uh, in the kinds of people who have run the country. The whole idea then is to uh, propose, especially to young people, that as we approach 2023, they must be particularly discerning in the choices they make they must decide, for one, not to sit at home, but to participate at every level of the political process, both as candidates, as well as voters, as well as people who defend the integrity of the votes that they cast. So Nigeria has been ruined, has been put in a terrible place by those who have presumed to be its leaders, but who have rather serve themselves. So today we're going to be telling a bunch of stories to illustrate the particular absence of vision and the consequences of that for Nigeria. Welcome. All right, all right, all right. The Nigerian elites... That's uh, the subject, isn't it? Yeah. And it's a perennial kind of subject. And um, um, I guess part of what got us into this subject was uh, you and I watching a music video. <laughs> and um, in this music video, which is gone, which is very, very popular in Nigeria at the time. At, at, at this time. At this time. Um, so there's this very popular musician. Uh, I don't think we need to name. No, him, we don't need to you name. Know, because we want to. We, wanna, we really don't want to make things too personal. It's it's just the, it's the just show. the flavor of the because moment. because it's representative of of a trend. So there's this musician, and uh, the music is all about you know the display of spectacular wealth and um, great. Uh, buildings and uh, amazing cars and so on, um, and then a bunch of men and women, you know, showing off and gloating and basking. And uh, I, I saw it, and artistically, there is a part of it that is appealing because that's what music does, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what film does. But on second thought, I felt that this was rather disturbing because we are looking at a country that is broken in every respect, where we don't have even something as basic as roads, okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and yet there's, there are these amazing mansions, right? And, and, and uh, incredible cars that feature in this, in this uh, video, music video. And I was saying that part of what disturbs me when I see this kind of display is that it's so uh, symptomatic of the kind of elite that we have in Nigeria because this video clearly was not shot in Nigeria. There's no place in Nigeria like this, okay? Uh, there's no place in Nigeria that has the roads in the movie and in, in, the, in, the, in the video. Uh, so ultimately, people have to go to Dubai, have to come to the United States, uh, go to South Africa even to find... Um, locations and locations that that are ap- appealing uh, like this, and so I'm saying that the the message, unfortunately, that a lot of young impressionable Nigerians have is that this is the way to live. This is how to live a full life, and yet because the Nigerian space does not provide that kind of space, ultimately what happens is that our young men. Uh, don't have the connection between, don't have a sense that hard work and success are in 
are inextricably tied to material success, okay? So all they see is the end result, you know, all the cars and all the glitter. Uh, they don't see what gets you there. And they don't see that the litter that is all around them, the dirt, the, um, the dysfunction, the bad roots, the broken systems produce only failure. And, and, and so, um, and I was talking about fella as a musician. Yeah, I was, I was, going, I was going to say, so, so, you know, I was going to let you, um, you know, you seem really pained. But, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but, but the thing is this, right? And I was, I was telling you, look, um, it's hard to, to, to have that bridge between um, what is um, appealing to people Mm-hmm. And what makes sense? It's 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 like a bridge. It's like being an interesting professor, mm-hmm. which you are. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like being an interesting professor. Sometimes yeah. it's hard to have that bridge, mm-hmm. you know. So it, the easiest part is when talented people end up in situations. You end up um, trying to dumb down what you can do mm-hmm. to be more appealing. Like mm-hmm. it's like. Th- the, the, the thing of going viral, I can mm-hmm. call it today. You know, it's a lot easier to go viral in certain ways. Or I was looking at, I was looking at, um, uh, I was actually looking at something from this lady's blog, for instance, uh, Linda Ikeji, for instance. Mm-hmm. I don't know what her, her deep down this thing is, but I do remember that she she did study English mm-hmm. and she is very good at, she's above Nigerian average and pretty good at um, writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was her key. That was a key for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she ends up just wanting to write about um, having to. I won't even say if you read the beginning of her story, having to write about um, salacious things and so on and so forth. Not to get into her, but mm-hmm. the thing about it is creating that bridge. And I was asking you, like, okay, so how how do you come across? How do you uh, define or take a look at in terms of of what kind? How 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 do how do how do you want people to? be able to produce successful music and be successful and feed themselves mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, have stuff that has um, meaningful content. Sure. And you were saying something which... Yeah, you know, so I was telling you that uh, two of my all-time favorite contemporary musicians uh, were uh, Fela and Nicola Bukuti and uh, Bob Marley. Okay, so uh, at the level of music, these two men were at the highest, highest level, okay? Uh, Fela's music is enduring, which means that it's important, okay? That's why it's lasting, all right? Uh, so is Bob Marley's, okay? Um, but these two musicians did not simply um, get us to, to dance, to, to get up and dance, right? They... Um, at the level of art, they, they were very entrancing. You know, I, I tell people that art, broadly speaking, whether it's music or poetry, good poetry, or fiction, um, uh, art or movie, art is an art of seduction. Okay, so you're seduced by art. That's why you respond to it in a very uh, emotional, visceral way. But what separates, um, I would say, flimsy art from enduring art is that enduring art also engages you at the level of your mind. So it just doesn't pull your heartstrings. It just doesn't um, make you feel happy or make you feel lightheaded. It engages you. So it stays with you. It, it captures your imagination and it enables you to think, to soar and to imagine a different kind of society. So I think that that's where somebody like Fela and somebody like Bob Marley, and that there, there are a bunch of other musicians, okay? But, okay. Which other, now, ones, would, now, which, now, which other okay, ones would you, okay, would you put okay. forth? Because well, Fela and Bob Marley sound like okay, easy ones okay. to well, come up with. you know... Um, if you look on the uh, on the global stage, okay, uh, somebody like Miriam Makeba was very important. Uh, Lady Smith uh, Mambaza, you know, um, 
again, were very, very important. Uh, Sonia Kosun in Nigeria, you know, at one point was extremely popular, you know. Um, and I think if you go to um, Res Lawson, if you go to uh, Osadebe, at one point was very, very um, philosophical. Mike Ejaya is actually an underrated musician who is a poet in music mm. and whose um, music, I think, continues to speak to me and to speak to a lot of people in very profound ways, okay? And, and, and they don't sacrifice the music. They don't sacrifice the art. They, what they do is that they bring something else into the art. So it's, it's like literature, right? Uh -huh. So there's one, something called you know, commercial fiction, right? Uh, thrillers where it's all about, oh, you know, this guy you know, meets a woman at, in, in a party and you know, takes her and charms her up and you know, they have an affair and it turns out that the guy has a family and or the woman has a husband or something. So it, it, it titillates you at, the level, at, a, at a certain level. But good literary arts, like if you read things fall apart, right? Mm -hmm. You read things all apart and it brings you to wrestle with um, a lot of moral questions, okay? What is the relationship between an individual and his community, okay? What does it mean to be a strong man, for example, right? Uh, what does it mean to want to stand apart from your community. What does it mean? What's the proper response when an external alien force intrudes into your space and wants to uh, hijack that space and to lord it over you? What's the appropriate response, right? So good art entertains you. Entertainment is, is essential, is basic. But beyond entertaining you, it ennobles you as it were, okay? It invites you to, to rise, okay? It changes you, you know. So if you read a good novel, if you listen to good music, it's as if at the end of the music, yes, you've stopped dancing, but the music stays with you because there is something about um, what it has brought you to confront that stays with you, right? So for last music, okay, when it talks about authority stealing, it's an unmasking of the Nigerian elite, okay? Because, you know, what we have in Nigeria is that, um, you know, people get into public office, they serve themselves, essentially, so they come out of public office and they have not left any positive imprint, okay? Um, but then they leave office with tons of money, and they build mansions and they buy, you know, mansions abroad and so on. And somehow our people find, too many of our people find such individuals interesting. Yeah. Felat tells you these are simply rogues. Felat unmasks idiots so that you see, um, let me tell you a story. Um, I'm not, you know, don't quote me on this, but... <laughs> I'm going on record. But a friend of mine uh, told me that the late Ken Sarawiwa, uh, either in conversation or in one of his books, I haven't seen that book myself, but mm -hmm. so it's either Ken Sarawiwa or somebody at least told me, ascribed it to Ken Sarawiwa, that Ken Sarawiwa said that the world was indeed becoming a global village. And he said that there was a risk that the Nigerians in the world were turning into the village idiots. Yeah, okay. and you were, you were, you were, I don't know if you're continuing with that story. But. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so, and so there are s several stories that illustrate that. Because for, first that, you were, you, yeah. were, you were, you were sounding like somebody who is clearly married to an art professor or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but. yeah, it, it, yeah, so, so <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so, so there are, there are, for me, so, s several stories that illustrate this, right? Um, so years ago, I visited the Philippines. Yeah. Okay. And um, I had my brother-in-law, who was uh, an executive, executive of a company there. 
and I needed to do um, some business in an office there. So his driver took me. And as we went back home to my brother-in-law's um, um, home, um, we were driving down this amazing stretch of highway in the city, Manila, okay? And three-lane road, uh, on one side, three-lane road on the other side. And this is, I've not even encountered a road that, that beautiful in America. So I remarked to the driver, I said, wow, this is a really, really beautiful, magnificent uh, highway. And he said to me, we call it Corruption Road. I said, why? He said, oh, you know, that the, when the government was building the road, that uh, a lot of money, the public perception is that a lot of money was stolen in the construction of this road. And I didn't tell the guy, but a thought was going through my head at the time. I said, well, the difference between the Philippines and Nigeria is that in the Philippines, perhaps they stole a lot of money and they produced a road that is really breathtaking in its, in its you know, just in its beauty. Okay, but in Nigeria, they will steal even more money than I'm sure the Philippines, the Filipinos stole, and yet they will not produce anything. Yeah, and you know, if, if people doubt that this is true, consider the case of former President Olusegun Obasanjo. <laughs> All right. So when Olusegun Obasanjo was president in 2000 and uh, 20 in 2000 and 2000 the year 2000 the year 2000 he promised nigerians that he was guaranteeing that by the end of 20 of 2001 they will have regular uninterrupted power supply and he set up a panel headed by lee alimoke who subsequently became governor Mm -hmm. to effectuate that promise. Yeah. And um, several times, Abbasanjo was asked in an interview, do you still stand by your promise? He said, yes, my honor. By December 31st, Nigerians will enjoy, begin to enjoy regular uninterrupted power supply. In the end, the tax force spent something like $16 billion. Wow. On that project, I happened to be in Nigeria then. I was teaching as a full full bright scholar at the University of Lagos. I kept telling my father-in-law, "I said this is not going to happen." My father-in-law said, "Oh, okay, you know, you always almost always doubt, you know." He said, "Oh, Basanja has said on his honor." <laughs> I said, "All you need to do is how much honor does this man have? That's 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 all you have to ask." <laughs> well. Uh, on December 31, I was in Nigeria, and there was almost an all-nation blackout. It was almost as if a passenger wanted to tell Nigerians, <laughs> I've taken you guys for fools, okay? So you believe me. So this is, this is an, a late April fool's joke on Nigerians. And... Um, so subsequently, after a passenger left office, uh, members of the House of Reps under Yaradua, um, began to probe this expenditure in the power sector. Oh, by the way, before mm-hmm. I get there. Yeah. So, um, so at one point, toward the end of 20, 2000, 2001, uh, Lee Limoke uh, announced that the commission, the task they were given is to generate a certain number of megawatts of power. Yeah. So Abbasanjo did one of his presidential chats, and the interviewer said to him, is it this task force, is it that they are to produce megawatts or are they to guarantee regular uninterrupted power? Abbasanjo came out and said, it's going to be regular uninterrupted power, beginning the end of 2001. So here comes the end of 2001. It was as if symbolically all over the country, 
the power situation was terrible. And what did Obasanjo do? He said, hurrah, we've broken the world record in going from a certain number of megawatts to 4,000. <laughs> so we produce 4,000 megawatts. We've broken the world record. Of course, you couldn't see 4,000 megawatts. Obasan just simply said that the tax force had generated 4,000 megawatts. Okay? Mm-hmm. So Nigerians were saying, but when are we going to see an improvement in power? And he said, oh, we now need to invest more in distribution. So this power, they, these megawatts are sitting there waiting for the infrastructure. And you think, okay, you think about it. How do you work on generating power which you cannot distribute? Okay, so it takes a stupid, foolish, idiotic, unthinking set of elite, uh, you know, who are perhaps too busy, you know, eating wiggery and so on, <laughs> um, to, to think through a problem. But of course, the task was not, in fact, I'll tell you, if you remind me, I'll tell you of uh, showing guys joke on that. <laughs> okay. And, um, and so Obasanjo declared that uh, this committee had broken the world record in generating a certain number of megawatts. Um, and of course, Lee Elimoke was uh, then rewarded with, uh, and his committee, were rewarded with national honors. They were put on the national uh-huh. honor list. And then ultimately, Lee Elimoke became governor as if he had distinguished himself uh, in public service when the truth was he had failed. Okay? Now, so the investigation by the members of the National Assembly found that there were power projects, alleged power projects, which the Basanja administration had written in the books as having been completed and commissioned. And members of this investigation committee of the House of Reps went to the sites and saw that not even a grain of sand had been moved. <laughs> okay? So it's a kind of thing, and the companies have been paid in full, including local and foreign uh, companies. companies. Okay? And yet, Obasanjo goes around companies. Nigeria every day and people call him Baba, Baba. You know, Baba has said Atiku shouldn't be president or it should be this person. And why do we take this, this man seriously? Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Um, but we do. Okay? And, and so that's the kind of elite we have. So that in the Philippines, they produce a, f- a spectacular road, but the ordinary citizen still says, okay, the road is good. Well, we're going to call it corruption road because too much money was stolen on this. Mm-hmm. In Nigeria, they vote the money, they spend the money, they have nothing to show for it, but they give themselves, as Obasanjo did, declared himself leader or founder of modern Nigeria. Yeah, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of these stories. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's absolutely, I mean, the whole topic is, is looking at the... the in Nigerian elites, how somebody could literally, um, I mean, I've been to a number of countries in the world. Um, Nigeria is one place where everybody, first thing, this is the common joke, Mm -hmm. where the first thing you do when you want to uh, build a house or anything Mm -hmm. is you got to build a fence as (laughs) as possible. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, and it shows you just, and it's not, you're going to tell, we're going to to talk about the story of... um, And talking about that, let's talk about (laughs) that for a minute. So, you know, so I've been to the Philippines three times Mm -hmm. and not just in Manila, I've been to different parts of the Philippines. And this is a country which is like Nigeria in some respects, but unlike Nigeria in many respects. Um, Filipino politicians, of course, we know the uh, level, the story of um, 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 uh, was the first lady who was... Uh, Marcos, 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 Imelda Imelda Marcos. Marcos, I actually met Imelda Marcos. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I met Imelda Marcos at um, at this beautiful place called the the farm at San Benito. So... Yeah, so it's 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 um it's a health fa- it's a health facility, um, uh, sort of um, nestled on the foot of of a mountain, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, great verdant green greenery, and um, many many 
this was set up by a German man married to a Filipino woman, and the man we met the man, the founder of this health facility. So he said he'd been diagnosed with cancer wow. and given a few months to live, but he met somebody who uh, talked to him about uh, changing his diet, going raw, you know, eating raw food, and so on and so forth. It, it's amazing what they can do with raw things, right? Mm. And it'd been like 15 years and he hadn't died. So he set up this, uh, the farm. So you can Google it, the farm at San Benito, B-E-N-I-T-O. San is S-A-N. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so one day we were there and uh, Imelda Marcos uh, was there with her huge entourage. Uh, Hollywood stars will come there. They have a gourmet restaurant that serves raw cuisine. Um, amazing, amazing. Anyway, that's a different story. Um, but in the Philippines, they love big cars, extravagant cars like they are Rolls Royces, they are Bentleys, and so on. Mm-hmm. They love their big mansions. Yep. Um, so the kinds of tastes that Ni- the wealthy in Nigeria also like. But here is a difference. Because they have their Rolls Royces, because they have their Bentleys, the elite in the Philippines ensure that the roads are great. So, you know, so we drove, you know, to Tagay Thai. Uh, we drove to other parts of, of, uh, of, uh, of the Philippines. And as far as you drove, the roads were excellent. They were motorable, okay? No potholes, nothing. All right, the power was regular. So I talked to my brother-in-law then. I said, oh, you know, so you guys don't have power failure. I said, my brother-in-law spent like 11 years in the Philippines. Wow. So he said their first year when they were there, they were within like six months, there were two power outages, hmm. two in six months. The government fired the man who ran the power corporation and since then, not one. So again, you see a country that holds people accountable, right? Yep. Have you ever heard of a Nigerian re- you know, resigning uh, from public office because you know, under his leadership, something there was failure of a monumental nature? No. Nigerians will tell you, you know, it's somebody else's fault. When it comes to the... Uh, bribes, I will take it. When it comes to uh, the, all the privileges, the perks of the office, I'll take it. When there is the, the work uh, is not done, you know, it's somebody else's uh, fault. You know, Nigerians are allergic to accepting responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, so yep. so that's that's one thing. So you have great houses, but a lot of them don't have walls. They have you know hedges. You know, so that you can see the house, you can see the beauty of the house. Yep. Let me tell you a story about um, a young South African. I'm sure I've told the story before. Which uh, one is this? Um, <laughs> the, the young South African woman who came to visit her boyfriend, Nigerian boyfriend. Have I told? Oh you? no, tell me so. What's okay. This <laughs> so, so, so there's this friend of mine. Yeah. You know, uh, he lives in VI actually. In Lagos. so, those of you who are not Nigerian. Victoria Island is one of the uh, upscale Supposedly. areas. Yeah, supposed uh, upscale areas in Nigeria. Mm. Used to be beautiful. Yes. In the 70s and early 80s, um, Victoria Island used to be beautiful. Uh, but now it's become an eyesore in a lot of ways. It has multi-million dollar homes, okay? Um, but, <laughs> you know, open gutters, terrible uh, roads and so on. Uh, clogged up streets. So this Nigerian guy had this South African girlfriend and he'd, he'd visited her several times in South Africa and, you know, she's driven him around to see beautiful parts of, you know, Johannesburg and so on. And then she came for the first time to Nigeria. So this guy picked her up. The day after she arrived, he took her around VI, then took her to Ikoyi, and at one point they were driving and the woman said, okay, you've shown me where poor Nigerians live. <laughs> yeah, I, li- I like to go and see where the wealthy <laughs> Nigerians live. <laughs> and, and this guy said, 
this is it. Didn't you see the massive buildings? <laughs> you told me but, but this woman yeah. just couldn't believe, was shocked that where wealthy Nigerians lived, you know, so the guy said that in one, at one point they passed in front of a massive multi-million dollar house. Here was an open gutter that was stagnant, rank, brackish, and there was a dog that had been knocked down maybe by a car and the dog was bloated, so about to just burst, mm. okay? That's where bi- millionaires and billionaires live in Nigeria. Absolutely. Okay? Crazy, and with absolutely no shame, you know? So when I, when I see our governors, you know, bringing uh, visiting Americans or visiting Europeans or visiting Africans to their states, I feel shame on their behalf, Okay. Because as I've told everybody, check this out. The way you know you are approaching, if you're on a highway in Nigeria, the way you know you are approaching a big city or even a big town is that on the edge of that town or city, you'll find where in other countries you'll find statues and beautiful, you know, flowers and so on. In Nigeria, what you're going to find is a huge mini mountain of rubbish <laughs> that is somebody they set it on fire so it's it's releasing it's toxic you know reek mm-hmm. into the air yeah let's go i'm gonna give two stories on two yep Man, that, that was um, that was a good one um because i was i was actually watching this week where yeah, not to this thing. Well, this week, last week, mm-hmm. uh, recently, just put it that way. Uh, two of the biggest musicians in Nigeria, Bonaboy, had a car crash in his. Um, I don't know. I've forgotten what car it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me. Mm-hmm. Um, then also, I saw Davido uh, invite international. Very similar to the story you are telling. International um, uh, real uh, um, reality TV celebrities. Mm-hmm. They came in and they were driving in um, in his Porsche, I think. Yeah. And somebody was, I went on one of these um, forums and they were talking and somebody's like, yeah, you know, the whole of uh, the everything, you know, it, just essentially what you're saying is just one bridge they showed, the bridge from Ikoi to this thing. Yeah. There's just one this, there's just yeah. one that. There's the same um, small circle, uh, yeah. VI, Ikoi, yeah. Lucky Phase 1, and then that's it. <laughs> All right, cool, get off. Oh my god! Yeah, and, and you know you were talking, you, you were talking about your, uh, we're talking about your friend who is it's, and the whole point is to tie it into these elites. Um, even yeah, though Bonaboy yeah. and Kwa are not elites, mm-hmm. you know these people, political office holders, and mm-hmm. they they steal all this money. Um, in some cases, they in a lot of cases they have houses in Nigeria. In most cases they do have houses in Nigeria, but they prefer to go somewhere overseas, Ghana even, mm-hmm. um, and go there, they stay there, they go to Dubai, mm-hmm. and, you know, you, you look at them, you, you were talking about a couple of stories about political office holders, some, um, uh, this thing, you know, building his house yeah. and all that, and it's just the, the mindset is what, you know, yeah. that story is going to... Yeah. Before I get to that one, there is this, um, because we have a strange fascination with... with um, extremely um, expensive cars, all right? Which is strange given the quality of our roads, mm-hmm. the ghastly quality of our roads. And it reminds me of uh, some years ago, about uh, 15 years ago or so, I happened to be in, in Nigeria, in my hometown, and I was, I was going to Newe to see um, um, I, an old high school, secondary school um, friend of my late uncle. And um, the stretch of road from my hometown to Neewiden was really, really bad. Uh, But I got to a point where there was a convoy of about eight or nine Rolls Royces, okay, on this terrible road. So here we were moving slowly, getting into a gully, uh, then coming up, and in the opposite direction uh, was this convoy. And so the Rolls Royces would dip into a pothole, come up. I'm sure that their uh, bottom would scratch against you know, the tar or the asphalt. And then they would get into another pothole, 
And, you know, so it was this strange dance of Rolls Royces, you know, dipping and coming up and dipping again into, into potholes. And I was wondering if the manufacturers of Rolls Royce <laughs> knew what um, uh, the, the kind of suffering that their car was subjected to in Nigeria on Nigerian roads. I think they will place a moratorium and say, <laughs> we're not going to sell in Nigeria until they fix their roads. You know, but what it says again is an absence of shame because what you see right there, if you have a Rolls Royce in Nigeria, if you can afford one, even if you are not a politician, even if you are not, never been a governor, never been a member of the House of Reps or the Senate or whatever, you definitely have the capacity the political capacity to reach those in those offices. You can actually persuade them to build good roads. Again, I, I, I make this point again and again because Nigerians have come to the point because of our sense of lowered expectations. We've come to the point where we consider the building of roads an achievement by a governor or a president. Um, so I've told the story, right? Mm -hmm. of, of being in London, being interviewed on uh, Ben Television oh. some years ago. And um, uh, Jonathan was then the president. And I was talking about how uh, you know, Jonathan had failed. It was a disaster. You know? So people, you know, and, and I was making that point. And it was a call-in show, and one of the guys who called in said, oh, you know, you have to be objective. You know, uh, Jonathan is achieving a lot. I said, what has he achieved? And this fellow told me, oh, he's building some roads. Jonathan was building some roads, he said. So I said to him, you live in the UK. Have you ever heard the mayor of London or the prime minister of Britain say that their achievement is that they are building roads? And so this caller said to me, oh, you can't compare a Nigerian leader with British leaders. Again, inferiority complex. Mm -hmm. So I told him, I said, the Nigerian president gets paid more than the British prime minister. Okay, Nigerian senators and members of the house get paid more than the British prime minister. So why do we allow such monies going to our politicians? But then we say, okay, uh, like small puppies, you know, if, if they build substandard roads, we're going to clap for them, yeah. okay? So, but this is somebody in the UK, again, speaking about the quality of, of our, uh, of, of, of our enlightenment. You know, the fact that, again, in Nigeria, this whole thing that building roads, but... But to get back to, 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 uh, to this, right? Mm -hmm. if, you, you know, if you love all these expensive, what they call exotic cars in Nigeria, which, you know, they don't know the meaning <laughs> of exotic. So any car that is expensive, the Nigerians call it exotic. Yes. Uh -huh. But so you buy all these, ex what are known, what exotic cars, mm -hmm. and then you put them on roads, that look like roads look in Nigeria. So which takes me to the point. Um, and by the way, so the point is that a lot of those who are um, responsible for the state of the roads are the elite, and they themselves buy all these expensive cars. Right? There, there's, there's one, there's, the one that leads the way is one from us. I think he's a from us and it's on now, and yes. everybody knows him. Yes. Dino Malaya, yes, yes, and, <laughs> and 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 before Dino Malaya, from around his area was, um, you know, General Abdul Salami Adisa, who died in 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 um, a car crash, yeah. in a car crash, right? So Abdul Salami Adisa was a military officer, and at one point was the Minister for Works. Yep. So he was in charge of road construction in Nigeria, <laughs> obviously pocketed a lot of the money instead of working on roads. 
So after he left office, um, he started junketing all over the place saying that they were he, those of them who owned Nigeria had, had decided that uh, uh, Babangida was going to come back after, after uh, uh, Obasanjo was president. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in interviews, he would say, yeah, we're the stakeholders. We have decided, you know, it's like the vote of other Nigerians did not matter. You know, we have stolen enough money. We decide what goes on in this country. And so on one occasion, he was coming from one of those political meetings uh, to uh, basically orchestrate um, Babangida's uh, um, succession, succeeding of Obasanjo. And his driver was speeding down a highway, which was a federal highway, which he himself as minister could have fixed. And here was a massive gully in the center of the road. In the other direction was coming was a, 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 a truck. So the driver swung and the car began to somersault. This man was massively injured. Now, as a member of the Supreme Military, the, the, the leading uh, military council at the time. Mm-hmm. Again, he could have come up with a policy that built good hospitals in Nigeria. No, he didn't. So there were no hospitals in Nigeria that could treat him. He had to be airlifted to England. By time, shortly after he arrived, or by time he arrived, he died. Okay, so our elite, so, so what I tell people is that our elite is so disastrous in their thinking that if, their, if the effect of their disastrous leadership was simply on other Nigerians, it would be bad enough. But they're actually a self-defeating, uh, self-deserving kind of elite. Okay? Um, yeah, you and I were telling, I was telling you the story of a friend of mine, again, years ago, I happened to be in Lagos, and this friend of mine said, "Let me go show you where um, uh, he had a. He just bought land in Aja, which mm-hmm. is past Lakey, and he was building uh, his house at the time. So he said, "Let's go see it." And it was in the rainy season, so as we turned off the main Lakey um, highway, turned left to start going to the site of his building, and here was a massive uh, flooded area with a pool of water. Mm. And I looked at it and I said, this pool of water is so deep, you shouldn't put your car in it. The guy laughed at me. He said, oh, you have seen nothing. So he plunged his car, a Volvo sedan, threw it, and he came out on the other side. Mm. And indeed, we saw several more deeper pools. And it's as if cars sort of develop a particular muscle once they get to Nigeria, you know, because in America, that that car would not have survived the first uh, lake that it swam through, right? But here was this car doing magic, you know, wading through lake after lake after deeper lake. And so as we were driving, my friend pointed to the left and he said, oh, the house over there belongs to a commissioner that he and I knew, yeah. you know, a commissioner who... Uh, worked then for uh, Tinubu, who was the uh, governor of Lagos State at the time. And uh, this commissioner was my colleague uh, at a newspaper that I worked for before I came to America. So we were both on the editorial board. And my friend knew the commissioner. So I said to him, if this guy has a home there and is in Tinubu's administration, why haven't you, why don't you call him and tell him to persuade Tinubu to come tar the road. And he said, oh, I called him already. Uh, he told me that the answer to the condition of the road, the flooded condition of the road, is to get go get an SUV or what they call Jeep in yeah, Nigeria. <laughs> and I, I, I'm, I'm fond of telling this story because it, it's so symptomatic of a particular... Um, of a particular mindset in Nigeria, where, again, those we call the elite think about how can I solve my own problem? I'm not going to fix the power problem in Nigeria. I'm going to steal enough money so I can buy four generators. Um, and those generators, you know, so if one breaks down, 
it you know i'll find somebody to fix it and another one will kick off so i have provided for myself regular power and sometimes they have taken from the resources that i should have provided regular power for everybody to, to get it for themselves some of them are so noisy yeah I'm not, yeah, I mean, which is, again, something, right? Let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them so, are so noisy. Not okay, so. so in 2015, I went to Somaliland for the Hagesa International Book Festival. Mm-hmm. Amazing story. Somaliland used to be British Somalia, which merged with Italy-run Somalia to become one independent Somalia. Somalia. But as uh, um, Syed Barre's government fell and Somalia went into its um, tailspin of, of, of destabilization, this area that used to be British Somalia renamed themselves Somaliland and declared themselves a sovereign nation. They are not recognized by the United Nations. They are not recognized by any nation in the world. Even so, the space, they have a police force, they have they maintain services okay mm-hmm. and they've been running uh one of the most vibrant literary festivals in africa for years now okay so in 2015 they invited me to to come and um i got there and i was in a hotel this is desert mostly water was running there was in, uninterrupted power in the hotel so I was curious. In the scary Somaliland. Yeah, <laughs> Somaliland. Not in, not, they declare themselves a nation, but nobody has recognized them as such. Okay? So I then uh, spoke to uh, the organizers, one of the organizers, and said, you know, how are you able to solve the power problem here? So he said, oh, it's simple. The government actually has given contracts to some investors. And um, so they give you an area you buy a generator and you supply power to this area and then the people pay you uh, the tariffs Imagine you know, for the power. Basic organization. So, and it occurred to me that basically a lot of the generators that are wealthy Nigerians have in Ikoyi or VI can supply power to up to 10 streets or and more. Those things are okay? So, but somebody... One person owns, sometimes they have five of those machines, okay? Mm-hmm. Just one person. So you can imagine the waste. So in Somaliland, one person will be given a contract. Okay, this number of streets, he, the person buys one generator and is able to supply power to all these people, right? And so you, you, you just think about it. You just think about it, right? It's like, again, um, Nigerians will have 20 cars. You know, you go to their homes and they have bought 20 cars that cost from 60000 to maybe $200,000. And they pack the cars, okay, in their carports. Yep. And you say, hmm, who does that? <laughs> you know? I mean, it's like there's a quality of stupidity. You understand? Because... You know, once you buy a car and the car is parked there, and of course, so what some of them do is they are going to visit their friend and they go in a convoy of five cars, you know? So it's one person, he's going to see his friend and he says, let's go, uh, driver, bring this car. We're going to go in five cars, right? Otherwise, if they didn't go in five cars, uh, they go in one, there are 19 other cars just sitting there, Okay. So, <laughs> oh and this God. is a very common thing. With, it's with, a very common thing. It's very, you know, it's, it's, common. it's extremely common. So it's like, you know, a, a friend of mine who is a, a lawyer in, in the D.C. area said to me some years ago, he said, okay, Nigeria is a country where absurdity makes sense. So something that is absurd, which is self-evidently absurd, will somehow make sense. So Nigerians will be saying, uh, you know, I remember years ago somebody was telling me about this um, uh, politician slash businessman from the southeastern part of the country who at one point was getting, during the military regime, was getting most of the road construction contracts in mm. the southeast and he would not do the roads or he would do a substandard job. Mm. But 
uh, every time he got a contract, he would go and buy one or two other Rolls Royces. And so somebody was praising him. Somebody said, ah, the man is, uh, you know, he has like uh, 11 uh, Rolls Royces. And I said, don't you know that this is, again, like what perhaps, you know, is ascribed to Kensaro. This this man is simply showing that he's a village idiot, <laughs> you know? I mean, so so here you've, you have a Warren Buffett or Ross Perot. Ross mm-hmm. Perot, who was a billionaire, okay, Warren Buffett, who is a billionaire, and they have one car and they drive themselves. So if he if 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 Warren Buffett wants two thousand cars, yep, and two thousand Rolls Royces, he'll pack them. Yep. But but why buy two hundred? Why buy two and, and pack not, the car, and which is, which is depreciating? In, in, it's in critical value. to note that even though you didn't define exotic and yeah. Um, you know, cars. <laughs> Some people buy exotic cars as collecting uh, collect collectible items in this country, which is fine. R- really exotic cars, yeah. though, right? Yes, so but these are not ex- really exotic <laughs> cars. Are old cars, you know, that people drove maybe a hundred years ago. And so on. So, uh, but some of them are cars which people believe will maintain, will increase the, the in value. value. Yes. Some. So small, you know, limited Very edition, limited ed- edition is like wristwatches. Right? Yes. So there are some wristwatches that are limited edition. So if you buy them, they're going to hold their value and indeed increase their value. But if you go and buy a Mercedes today, two years later, Mercedes is going to produce a newer version of that. Nobody's going to want you around. In fact, that some people, if you, yeah, no, almost everybody will accept if you give. <laughs> but no, 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 actually, sometimes it's too, too expensive to maintain one. So That's it's true. not everybody who would accept. But the point is. The value goes down the, and then the value the, keeps going yeah, down. The point, in is, so, the point is, why do we have an elite, right, that is committed to self, a project of self-destruction? You know, so that's, that's really the... The, the summation in of fact, our conversation today. In fact, there's a name they give those. When you can't, you know, almost all these generators are very noisy. So there's the very um, smaller ones mm-hmm. that they people just, and everybody has to get one. Mm-hmm. So there's much smaller ones. Mm-hmm. And then the name they give it is like, better pass my neighbor. Yeah, better pass my neighbor. So, so, you know? so it's, it's almost like people <laughs> want you to, there's a, a need in the Nigerian psyche. Uh, maybe I won't. I won't say black oh psyche generally to, to to make people believe that you're better than them. Let me tell you why I started laughing. <laughs> so so years ago, I had a friend who went and bought a Mercedes 200, and then he went and got the um, the tag for Mercedes 230, <laughs> and and replaced it. <laughs> And put it substituted where Mercedes 300, 200 was at the back. So it speaks to uh, that I better pass, you know, my neighbor. So this whole idea, right, of let me project myself to be something that I'm not, uh, which ultimately explains why... um, uh, our craze for titles, yep. you know, somebody will say, I have, uh, I have chieftaincy titles from all of Nigeria's 36 states, right? But not one title really constitutes an honor. You have had to pay cash for all of it. Pretty much. Okay? So I say to people, um, when you walk the streets as a big man in Nigeria, the poor people, if you have stolen your money, know that you have you have stolen their money. Mm-hmm. They have no respect for you. So when they bow, ah, welcome, sir, Gasa, you know, and they give you, call you sub chief, so, so, and so. Why are, they, why are they doing that? For money. Yeah. Okay, so the respect people have for you, the, the ostensible honor that people uh, give, extend to you, is for cash. You've got to pay for it. And if... You go to the bank, say, and the bank um, security guy opens the door and says, ah, welcome, sir. And you walk in and you finish, you walk out and you don't drop anything. The mm. next time he sees you, he looks away like, um, I don't see yeah. anybody coming, right? So what? why do we then pursue these things which in the end, you know, 
I hold up. It's it's like it thoughts I I you know and I think we'll definitely do a, a I not I um I junk um 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 episode on education as well mm-hmm. uh, which we're going to do Absolutely. which bleeds into this but it was like a thought I, I I was having on that which I'm you know it's like we have this um certi- certi- certified thing which you were talking about the last time like mm-hmm. you know people would come to your class and it'll be like uh and it's just because oh you know it, it's it's like I, I asked myself if you know you, we gave in the in, in, in the previous in a previous system with with conversation if even when you have a certificate or a degree or something and the university wakes up tomorrow and says hey uh we're revoking it which they can a lot of them are proud a lot of them are you know they're indiv- they, they have the right to award and they have the right to revoke, revoke so yeah. if they revoke it mm-hmm. what are you somebody are you? Yes. somebody gave that statement i was looking at it like and it's like the one thing somebody can take from your head is not you know, uh, with something my parents would say, my, my, my dad especially, but but it's not something people live by. They, we, we, you know, it, it's the um, level of intellect exposure, actual exposure, not just a certificate, not just the knowledge you have. Nobody yeah, can take it from somebody you. could wake up yeah. tomorrow and be like, yeah. oh, you know, oh, I'm a lawyer, I have a law license. Mm-hmm. You go wake up tomorrow yeah. and be like, no, you're not. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> and this happened. Like, yeah, you people have been lawyers have been disbarred. You know, I mean, I say uh, again to to make the point, right? So here I am. I have a PhD in English. I am a novelist. Okay, so I'm blessed with that skill. I've developed that skill, right? So if the university that I earned my PhD in woke up tomorrow and said, okay, we are we're drawing the PhD from you, right? Which they can. You give me a novel anytime or a poem, and I'll be able to analyze it for you because I still have that knowledge. In fact, in a lot of ways, I had that knowledge before I went in to do my PhD, yep. right? Um, and I set my mind on writing a novel. I have the technology for writing a novel. So... And there are lots and lots of novelists, amazing novelists, uh, somebody like James Baldwin, who had little formal education and yet was a professor at some of the most revered universities in the world. Okay, I was just speaking with, um, I was speaking with somebody two days ago, um, and the person was shocked that Walisha Inka and Chinu Achebe did not have PhDs. In fact, I, I said, had I said, <laughs> both of them had. You know, a first degree, bachelor's degree, showing he started his master's, abandoned it. Um, but they are professors of professors. People, so professors study their works and listen to them speak. And, you know, so these are men of culture. Ngugi Wationgo, one of the greatest writers of our time, has a master's degree. You know, and that's it. It's, uh, like, it's like even when yeah. you go to Harvard, they, they, they study... Tupac, yeah, they studied NAS. Precisely. They studied poetry. And, and if Tupac were alive, Harvard would want to give him a chaired professorship. It's like, come talk about, yeah. I, you know. I was watching, um, for those that, you know, to, to go a little bit back, um, you know, Tupac, uh, this thing, House Party played, it was a, 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 a movie and the, the crew, House Party and Play, Kid and Play, Christopher Martin and Christopher Reed. Um, Christopher uh, Reed the darker one he eventually went broke at a point in time all that stuff but because of his his um his artistry mm-hmm. his literary powers and all that he was a visiting scholar in so many schools absolutely and, and absolutely. you know so it, the, the key point there is a lot of people come out and you know it's like okay what are you without these things and it seems like more and more it's first this, um gaining certificates which you're not like you know uh, you were talking about uh, you already had the, t- the talent and the distance before even going in. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody asked that question. I've forgotten where it was, where somebody, they, they, I don't think it was Reginald Lewis. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know, Reginald Lewis is another phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a book. He's, he's, late, he's, he's, he's departed us now, but mm-hmm. he has a, a fantastic book about how he went to Harvard without even applying mm-hmm. um, on stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But they asked, I'm not sure if it's him, so don't quote me, but they asked somebody, they asked one of them, um, you know, they, they had asked him like, what do you bring to Harvard? Mm-hmm. And he, he looks at them and he tells them like, uh, Harvard should be 
happy to have him <laughs> not the other way around you know and even people like Jidenna rap about it mm. but his own circumstances mm. are different like Harvard accepted him but he's, he decided to go to Stanford and all that mm-hmm. so it, it's it's like looking at somebody like so, so what do you like yeah. no it's like I'm giving you mm-hmm. my presence yes. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot yeah. so yeah. you know people yeah. don't we don't have that sense of um personal development, mm. intellectual development. It's all about, you meet a typical Nigerian and yeah. they are willing to tell you, yeah. they, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then they, they, they have this, they've been awarded honorary degrees and all that. And then they have 50 cars mm-hmm. and, and 50 this, and, and then in and front of your house. Yes. It's, it's, in front of your house, you know, it's an open gutter. And, um, and of course, when you have all those honorary degrees and chieftaincy titles, you've paid for it. Okay, you have paid for it. Meanwhile, here um, are people like Achebe Ngugi Wationgo who've been honoured by universities around the world on the strength of their achievements. Somebody like Chimamanda Adichie, honoured by universities around the world on the strength of her achievements. Okay, Achebe, you know, honoured on the strength of his great literary genius, all right? And you, and uh, I think, um, because all of this conversation um, is, for me, geared towards the absolutely imperative reorientation of society that we need, all right? Um, we cannot uh, continue down this disastrous path to, um, you know, this, we can't continue to remain a peacock society, which is what I call us, you know, we're a peacock, you know, when you show off cars that you ride around in uh, circles, in terrible roads or that just, that are parked there in your, in your carports, you're just being a peacock, okay? Um when you wear designer suits and so on and you have open gutters, um, you, you have no running water, you have to dredge boreholes and, and, and um, wells for your water. Um, when, you can't af- when you can't contemplate your kids going to schools in Nigeria or yourself going to any hospital in Nigeria for routine or serious medical attention, uh, and yet you strut about like you are an important person, you are simply a peacock, okay? There is little to you apart from those uh, fine, colorful feathers that you, that you yeah, flaunt. You, when you feel like I better pass my nibble, yeah. I can, I, you know, you can't. Yeah, it's, like, it's like, I know we're rounding up. It's like that statement Buhari made when... Uh, they talked about his kids going to school in London. Yeah. So, well, uh, you know, I can afford it. Yeah, I can afford <laughs> it. You can, yeah. If you can't afford it, stay in your lane. Yeah, lead. yeah, yeah. You know, know and again, that's, and, and you look at it, Buhari had that reputation as a poor man. Okay. Uh, that's part of what made him attractive to Nigerians, right? Oh, this man is poor. He finished as a head of state. He was petroleum minister. You know, he has, uh, people said he had no home in his, uh, in his folk village, tales. and that he had no, you know, it's, it's, it's all folk tales, right? Um, and the truth is that if you earn the salary of a general, okay, I don't think you'll be able to send multiple children abroad no. for school. Impossible. You know, um, if if you are a permanent secretary in Nigeria, a governor um, or a legislator. And you are, all your kids are abroad, and you you know you have homes abroad, and so on. Yeah, they are they are extremely highly paid, but still, it takes a lot yeah. to to send kids abroad at school. And the question we also need to ask is, if it is true that we pay our governors and heads of states and so on so much that they can farm out all their kids to uh, schools abroad then how come we settle for the mediocrity of their service, okay? How come we settle for the kinds of, uh, you know, that in one case they will build a school, a boarding school, and say there's no point building toilet. People can go into the bush to go to the toilet. 
Okay. Would they would they send their own children to schools in South Africa or in Britain or in America if that were the condition where their kids had to go to the back? But that that schools? has been the case for a long time. Even people like Fami Fani Kao, they yeah. went to uh, middle school. A lot of people uh, have absolutely. been going to middle school in the UK. In for the UK, a long time, yeah, so. yeah, they send they send their kids, you know, but but, but it's all ultimately they, they, they say Nigeria is a place. You, they come to bury you, you when you die. They bury you when you die, <laughs> and the place where you you steal the the money in order to afford your life abroad, yeah. you know. So Achebe said in his um, uh, little political treatise, uh, the trouble with Nigeria that you know Nigerian leaders actually uh, might as well be foreigners, you know. So they see Nigeria as just this space that they can you know, act as parasites, you know, to suck the blood out of this place and then they transmit that blood outside, you know, the resources of the country stolen from Nigerians are, you know, um, uh, are put abroad. And so, again, what does, this, what does this all mean? 2023 is coming around. There are shameful so-called young men who are running around with spent uh, visionless politicians buying forms for them, uh, declaring them the solution, naming offices that these politicians have held, even though these politicians cannot point to any enduring way in which they have changed Nigeria uh, in a positive direction. But young people should not let themselves be deceived by all of that uh, Razmatas, okay? The choice should be clear. Uh, you have the opportunity to elect a set of leaders who are like you, who think like you, who understand that enjoyment of material gain that is decoupled from hard work and investment and achievement is, is, is a no-no, you know? So... We hope um, that in our insights and stories that you've been enlarged. Thank you very much for joining us. Yep, appreciate it.